Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I'm your host, Dave, and today's episode, this week's episode, is all about wrestling. Uh, We gathered together a a bunch of awesome wrestling commentators to discuss what's going on in WWE, uh, some of our favorite stuff from wrestling's past, and a little bit about Sunday's Royal Rumble, but not too much because I try to be more conscious lately of how dated the episodes are. And if there's an episode that's all about the 2019 Royal Rumble in like 2020, nobody's going to want to go back and listen to that one. So this this will be fun and fresh for years to come. And, and that's what we strive for here at Needless Things. Okay, so... One thing I want to talk about in the introduction here, I just finished the second issue of Marvel's new Conan the Barbarian comic book, which is tangential to wrestling, I suppose. Uh, There has been a wrestler named the Barbarian, and I'm sure there have been countless wrestlers over the years uh, that were modeled after Conan the Sumerian. But uh, Sumerian? Not Sumerian. Sumerian, I think. Right? Whatever. Uh, So... I signed up for this, one, because I like good Conan comics, and I was hoping this would be a good Conan comic. Uh, and the the creative team on it, for right now anyway, are Jason Aaron writing, and another name I'm probably going to mangle, Mahmoud Azrar on art. Now, I follow him on Instagram. Uh, I've never heard him in an interview, which is why I have no idea how to say his name. Uh, but I, I've been following him since before I knew he was going to be doing Conan. I love this guy's art. It's perfect for Conan. And Jason Aaron, I mean, surprising no one, is just the right writer for this story. I love these first two issues. The first one is an oversized issue that establishes where we are in Conan's life at this point uh, and establishes sort of an ongoing story. But then the second issue is a completely self-contained Story. It's fantastic. Uh, It it made me very happy to see something that in other comics could very easily have been spread out over six issues or whatever. And Aaron nailed it in one. Uh, It's it's fantastic. I'm excited. And then there's a hint of that initial overarching story that was set up. uh, Because the, the arc is the life and death of Conan. Which is... Great, but very clearly it's another of Aaron's long-term plans that's going to have plenty of stops and fun along the way. Uh, I'm digging the heck out of it. I hope this team stays on it for a good long while because Aaron has just the right voice. You know, you get the narration uh, that that is, you know, if you've read Howard's books, it's, it's a very certain way of speaking, but at the same time, uh, and I, I can't remember who does the narration uh, on the original uh, Arnold movie, but I hear that voice in my head as I'm reading these words, which is it's great. And the art is beautiful. It, it's absolutely perfect. And it's violent and gory. And they're nice little touches. Uh, I, I actually spent a long time reading both of these 
looking at all the little things in the background. Uh, I, I don't want to say too much because it's kind of a spoiler, but in the second issue, there's a little bit of business in the background that you could easily just skip past the panel, but if you look, you see there there's something neat going on uh and and that's all i'll say but there's a lot of stuff like that lots of detail uh lots lots to look at it's it's just gorgeous so this book this absolutely gets my recommendation if you're a conan fan i think this will make you happy uh so there you go that is uh item number one for this week's intro uh item number two if you are going to be at days of the dead atlanta this weekend I am not going to be there because I'm working nights uh, and there's just nothing to be done about it. But uh, many of our friends will be there having fun, uh, making me sad as I follow them on Instagram and Facebook. But go check out the Caught Dead Watching Podcast live. That'll be actually tonight. So if you're listening to this episode fresh, good for you. Uh, if you're listening to it in the future, uh, you missed it. But you probably missed Days of the Dead entirely already anyway. Uh, but Caught Dead Watching will be there all weekend. There are a couple of panels featuring our friends from the show. Some of the Needless Commentary team will be down there. It's it's an awesome time. I hate it that I'm missing it, but I just couldn't use 36 hours of my time off to take time off to go to a thing and spend a ton of money. Uh, there There is... A part of me at this point in the year that's still trying to be kind of financially responsible. I'm I'm trying to make it a lean year, you guys. Uh, just because last year, the tax tax season and a couple of other unexpected expenditures hit us. Uh, I, I can't say hard. I don't really have anything to complain about, but it kind of made me think there are a few areas in which I could be a bit more responsible. Uh, so anyway, there you go. If you are going to go to Days of the Dead and spend a ton of money, uh, go check out our, the Caught Dead Watching panels and our pals from Needless Things. They're going to be down there all weekend. The Casket Creatures are playing Saturday night with Elzig. Uh, it's it's an awesome time. It's going to be a great time. They've got a great guest list this year, uh, so be sure and get out for that. Uh, one more thing that I want to mention that's neither here nor there nor relevant in any way, but I, I went to Kroger to do some shopping uh, to pick up some supplies for, for various things. And it's really weird because every Kroger is set up entirely differently. I went to a different one than the one I normally go to because usually I don't do a whole lot of grocery shopping. So I'm just stopping in on the way into work to grab a salad dressing or bakos or whatever, uh, some Diet Cokes, that kind of stuff. This time I actually needed to pick some stuff up and I was not going into work. So this was a different Kroger. And this Kroger was really fancy. Like they had this crazy frozen buffet thing in the back that you you scooped out however many servings of these frozen pre-prepared meals. You scooped them out, put them in a bucket, took them up front, go home, and you warm them up. That's that's the deal, I guess. I've never seen this before. Uh, they they have the the Starbucks in there, which I think most Krogers have now. I don't know. I don't drink a whole lot of coffee, so I don't typically pay too much attention to that uh but then they've got this this whole aisle of gourmet nuts and and yogurt covered raisins and uh other things of that nature that you go through and they're in these big plastic containers and you get a little bag and drain you drain the nuts into the bag 
so to speak. Uh, just just a lot of things I hadn't necessarily seen in a Kroger before, uh, before. But what they had that I did see was no matter what aisle I went down, there was always somebody trying to drive their cart up my ass. I don't know what the deal is. Like, clearly... I've stopped to look at something or I'm slowing down to figure out where I am and where what I want might be. Like I'm, I'm speeding up is not something that's in a part of what I'm doing at that current time in my shopping. So I don't know what you think you're going to accomplish by getting right up behind me with your cart in an aggressive manner. Go around me. If you can't go around me, turn your little ass around, go back down the aisle, and go to the other aisle you need to go to. I do it all the time. If there's some fat bitch with her shopping cart parked across the aisle and eight kids running around, and, like, she's clearly got a situation. I don't need to stand there looking impatient, waiting for her to move all of her ridiculous business out of my way. I'm going to turn around and go the other way. It's not a big deal. And I'm certainly, if I'm looking for Nilla wafers and I know that they're at the far end of the aisle and there's some poor lady who's disoriented trying to figure out where the Oreos are in relation to the vanilla wafers and the pecans and she's going a little bit slow, I'm not going to get half an inch away from her spandex-clad butt and stare angrily at the back of her head. I'm either going to go around her, or like I said, I'm going to turn around, go around the other aisle, grab my Nilla wafers, and proceed on my way. I don't understand what's wrong with people. Uh, but, but anyway, went to Kroger and had a couple of moments like that. Like I had to figure out... Uh, where a couple of things were and then this one because it's different and then i had to stop because in the toy section they had the 11th series of the imagine x blind bag figures now these are not uh necessarily on my radar anymore because sadly phantom jr has outgrown imagine x like officially like we had to have a conversation about it because it was probably i guess it was earlier this year uh, where I was like, oh my gosh, look at this, look at this, look at this, this is all coming out. And he kind of had a disinterest, but didn't yet say, I don't want any of that. But we, we did eventually have a talk, and, and he's just not not into it anymore, which is sad. But there are, in these blind bags, uh, they've done a lot of the sort of generic Mattel version of the Universal Monsters. They'll do a, a weird thing here and there. They did one figure that's pretty clearly McGrady from The Thing, uh, they'll do stuff like that. That's really cool. And when I see those, I'll grab them because they're very easy. They're not like the Lego blind bags where you have to like know Braille in order to figure out which figure you're getting. Uh, they actually are numbered on the bags. So if you look them up online, you can figure out what's what and get the ones you want, which I did today because the 11th series has uh, two muscle men. It's, it's, uh, Oh, I can't remember his name now. It's Terrible and uh, the main muscle guy from the, from the old muscle figures. Uh, they're both packed in one bag. They're rubber figures. They have no articulation, unlike the rest of the Imagine X figures. And they, they're great. They're that pink color. They're wonderful. Uh, another one is a snake guy from Battle Beasts. I mean, that is absolutely what he is. And then another one is like an android from Adventure People. I, I can't remember if that's exactly what it is, but it's a, from when I was a kid, it's a clear green guy with circuitry printed on his chest. Uh, if you saw the original figure and you're around my age, you would absolutely know it. 
even if you haven't thought of it in decades. And there are Imaginex versions of all of those. And then there's also a guy in a hazmat suit with a broken faceplate and a glowing skull underneath. It's it's great. I love this line. So anyway, I had to pause there uh, to examine the bags and find these four figures that I wanted to, or four bags that I wanted to get because the the two muscle guys are packed in together. Uh, so I'm squatting down, looking through, because of course they're on the like the bottom shelf. Uh, I'm I'm looking through the bags and I look up and I notice there are two Kroger employees like at the far end of the aisle kind of surreptitiously looking over their shoulder at me every once in a while and then uh, the lights actually brightened in the aisle and I was like oh my gosh do they think I'm like with my cart full of groceries do they think I'm sitting down here like sneaking Imaginex figures but then I realized the whole store had gotten brighter and it, it went across five o'clock. So I'm thinking at five o'clock, the lights just come up in the store and, and maybe even those people weren't looking at me at all and were up front trying to manage the registers a little bit. So who knows? Doesn't matter. Uh, I, I've got my Imagine X guys. I'm thrilled. I've got my provisions. I'm good with that. And all is well in the world because now it is time to talk wrestling with some of Needless Things' finest and friends. And uh, you guys are going to dig it. it. It should be a relatively evergreen episode. I'm, I'm trying to be conscious of that. So uh, here it is, our big wrestling episode. <laughs> Phantomaniacs, it's that time of year again where we get ready for WWE's Royal Rumble. And of course, that means it's the return of the Rumble game. Now, we don't do that here on the show. You have to do that at home. But we'll have handy guidelines posted in today's show notes for the game that makes the Royal Rumble the best of WWE's pay-per-views, regardless of the outcome. What we're doing here today is I wanted to gather together uh, needless things, very best wrestling aficionados, and talk about our personal history with wrestling fandom, what's going on in the business today, a little bit about WWE, a little bit about this, a little bit about that, and just see where the conversation landed us. Uh, and first of all here, welcome back to the show, Mike Gordon. Howdy! I told Woo. you, man, what, once, once a month this year, once a month at least. <laughs> well, okay, this is... Yeah, this is twice this month. Yeah, I know, I know. So, but fortunately, February is a short one. So that's true, and and I've we've got a full docket in February. So we'll it's see it's how nice to have another one in the can in case some other month doesn't work out. And uh, since since this is the Dragon Con off season, I just wanted to have a little bit of a chit chat with Mister Joe Crow. Welcome back. Hello. How how are you doing? And how excited are you for the Royal Rumble? I it's my favorite uh, of of all the pay per views. I'm really kind of I'm, I'm I wouldn't say I'm as pumped as I was last year, but probably pretty pumped. I, I'm saying I'm very close to maximum pumpitude. Wow, maximum pumpage! That's pretty good. I, I gotta say, at this point, I get more excited about just watching the rumbles and playing the game 
than even yeah. caring about the outcome? Because WWE has kind of trained us at this point that, yes, it's an exciting match, and yes, the winner will be the Rumble winner, but in the end, yeah, it may not matter all that much. Exactly. Sure. And uh, finally, our pal, once again, welcome back to the show. Rich, how are you doing? Doing good, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks for coming on. I, I am very excited to have someone with your pedigree of wrestling commentary in on this conversation. I am uh, bowing, bowing, no. Um, uh, thanks, yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on. Now, where I want to start, as with many episodes of the Needless Things podcast, is with our own personal history, how we became fans, where we got started. And uh, for me, when I was a little kid, and I've told this story before, but, you know, listeners come and go. I don't know if it was this podcast or another one, because my brain doesn't work quite as well as it used to. Uh, so, when I was a little kid, my parents were not supportive of wrestling at all. They did not want me watching it. I had to kind of sneak. So, when I saw it, it was on USA, like, early Sunday morning before church or late Saturday night when I shouldn't still be up. The show that covered all the different territories. Uh, I got to see a little bit of WWF, and one of my biggest memories from back then was when I was a kid, I thought King Kong Bundy had broken Hulk Hogan's back. <laughs> that, now, that's not what happened, but in my mind, that's what had happened. And I never got to see the payoff to that So until years and years and years later. Now, obviously, I witnessed much more of Hulk Hogan eventually, but I just remember being traumatized at the time. I was so caught up in the drama, and I've always had a love for that 80s WWF style. And even now, I can go back and kind of recognize its its deficiencies, but it's still so entertaining that it's one of my favorite eras of wrestling. Uh, what about you, Joe? What when, when did you come into pro wrestling, and, and what's sort of your favorite era or a big memory you have? I first started watching uh, local Alabama, or um, I, I'm I'm from the middle Alabama, the deepest darkest part of Alabama, <laughs> <laughs> and um, we had local TV wrestling with like a, a rotating cast of regular, you know, uh, re regular dudes like Bullet Bob Armstrong. And I wouldn't find out till later that these guys that were on every episode of this show were the were the were the enhancement talent for <laughs> WCW and the NWA, which I later discovered. And then I got into the the eighties WWF like you and the first live show I went to see was um, a closed circuit theatrical version of wrestlemania 3 oh that's beautiful so i got to see yeah. steamboat and savage in a movie theater wow and it was that that was that that's what started the whole thing uh for me now let me ask you guys because that's an interesting thing that happened with, with that is, is that they had the closed circuit broadcast to movie theaters or, or wherever that you could go you know, and obviously you're not going to get to see the live event, but you're watching it live with a big group of people. 
Uh, and this is what I used to do in the late 90s and early 2000s was we would go to uh, like a, a bar, sports bar, Barnacles, Hooters, whatever, whoever was carrying the pay-per-views. And we'd go watch them there just to be in a live audience environment. What would you guys think, like, if, if they, if if that came back, if you could go somewhere to watch it with other people, uh, other than the Phantom Zone, w- would that be appealing to you guys? I'm surprised that uh, Fathom Events hasn't worked out a deal with the WWE, really. I, you know what? Yeah. I, I, that is a very good point, but I'm sure the answer to why that hasn't happened is money. Well, sure. That's what it always comes down to, but... And I don't know. Maybe it's a different mentality. Maybe maybe theaters don't want a lot of like drunk, you know, people uh, uh, like that in 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 the audience. I don't I don't know. But in any case, I I used to watch um, uh, uh, Mike Faber and I used to go to um, some sports bars and watch WrestleMania every year uh, a few years ago. So uh, I, I always enjoy watching it in front of like with a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it's great to, well, it's like seeing, uh, you know, if, if you see a movie the premiere weekend, it's a much different experience than if you go two, to, two weeks later, and, and the theater's got like three people in it, but seeing something, seeing a big, exciting movie with a packed theater is a completely different experience from seeing it with just a few people, and it's the same thing with wrestling. Having that energy of a live audience, even if you're not actually watching the product in person, is different. I had a similar experience that Joe Crow had, but mine was WrestleMania six, and it was at the Sun Dome in Tampa, Florida. So this was a huge arena, not a movie theater or anything. I mean, there were thousands of people there, and it was on a big screen. And uh, yeah, the closed circuit thing—you know—you couldn't just get it at your house. So um, uh, the the story goes, my mom took me because uh, I was a diehard WWF fan and she was deathly sick that day but she took me anyway a mother's love right um, <laughs> and uh, I just remember the the energy of the crowd and just everything about it and it was it's a great memory for me uh, and I also remember during the last match of course Ultimate Warrior versus Hogan uh, the it blinked out for like a minute and the crowd like there was going to be a riot <laughs> oh my gosh yeah but, but that, that, that happened with me at wrestlemania yeah. 3 with hogan and andre <laughs> that's funny <laughs> well and if if you guys remember that happened for real uh it was one of the D- wcw pay-per-views i can't remember exactly which one it was but it was goldberg versus ddp and they ran over the time limit, and the pay-per-view hosting company yep. shut the pay-per-view off. Yes. And we were watching that, and actually our buddy Noel should be checking in sometime in the next few minutes here. We, he was with me when we were watching that one. Dude, that was volatile, and I can't, you know, we were just in a little <laughs> I apartment. I was so mad. I can't uh. imagine being, again, with a large group of people reacting to that kind of thing. Now, what, but in, on both those occasions... What was the time frame on the signal coming back in? I mean, I think it was out for like a minute or so, may- maybe two minutes. But, That's um, a minute of hell. Yeah, it really is. Cause, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, um, I mean, I'm like nine, 
eight, nine. <laughs> I was born in 78, so whenever uh, WrestleMania 6 was. But, uh, so yeah, I was like, actually, I probably was 11. But anyway, nonetheless, it ruined my day uh, for just a little bit. But then sure. Ultimate Warrior beat Hulk Hogan, and I was fine. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty awesome that the WWE Network glitches on purpose to give us that same feeling. Like, like we had in, like yeah. in the old days. It does. It, it gives you that real that, that nostalgia kick that no... But look, we're trying to help you. Exactly. <laughs> no Hulk Hogan appearance can equal the excitement of the signal loss. Exactly. I mean, for just uh, $10 a month, what do you expect? Well, yeah, and and that's a fair point. We we actually discussed recently uh, when Mike, when you and I talked about like, let's not get too deep into the WWE network pricing. Right. <laughs> uh, what about you, Mike? Where where did you come into the wrestling biz? I came in much much later. Um, to be honest, I I really have only been seriously interested uh, for about twenty years now. Um, when I was growing up, it was there. I do remember it being like a thing. Certainly, um, I can recall, uh, you know, Hulkamania really, literally running wild, and uh, and and seeing, you know, it on on TV, the cartoons, the programming, the 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 Cindy Lauper videos, all of that. Um, but it wasn't until like much later in the late 90s as part of i guess the you know the tail end sort of the attitude era uh i remember catching it uh occasionally on tv and being really intrigued by what i was seeing and uh and then i happened on uh, one night uh i was i can't remember where i was i was in a hotel and i i caught um uh the documentary wrestling with shadows on yes. uh on a&e and i was right. riveted I was just absolutely riveted because I knew that there was behind the scenes stuff with wrestling, but I just never knew exactly what was going on behind the scenes. And that really opened my eyes to the whole industry uh, in a way that I hadn't seen before and really caused me to, to take it very seriously. And I've been a fan ever since mainly with, I mainly stuck around, uh, you know, with the WWE, WWF. um, But um, uh, I've dabbled in, in others as well. Well, and that kind of mirrors my latter-day fandom because, you know, not having the access to it, not having, you know, when you're a kid, if your parents don't want you into something, it's hard to follow it. So I really didn't get full bore back into wrestling until around when you're talking about it. It was around 96 uh, when Hogan turned at Bash at the Beach. It was shortly after that. Uh, we started really getting into WCW, and then we kept hearing, and, and actually, what excellent timing. Mr. Noel Wood, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm here? You're here! It's like a dream. I just appeared <laughs> into a, a, a room full of people talking about, uh, what are we talking about this week, soccer? Yeah, soccer. We're all big, we're, well, okay, we're all big footy fans here. Oh, okay, okay, good. And we're going to talk about Atlanta's football team. Uh, no, no, not at all. We're not going to talk about that at all. Uh, and, and don't say dream because there's a good chance I'll lapse into my terrible Dusty Rhodes impersonation, which nobody <laughs> wants. Uh, but we we got into watching. We we would watch WCW live because it started at eight, and we would record Raw and watch it after WCW Nitro was over. And so for the last 
20 years, it, well, it's, shit, 22, 23 years, it's very rare that I've missed one of the big wrestling shows. And, uh, Noel, you were, you were there for all of that. Tell us about how you discovered wrestling and became a fan and kind of what your journey's been to this point. So um, I'm a little older than many of your audience probably are. Um, and, you know, maybe not as old as some of the audience is. Uh, but uh, my first exposure to wrestling, what got me into it, was actually Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling, CBS Saturday Mornings. Uh, <laughs> I, I I fell in love with this cartoon. I had no idea what any of these people look like in real life for the most part. And then suddenly my dad was like, well, you should watch the real thing. And I was like, who is King Kong Bundy? Who is this macho man guy? Uh, you know, why, why are uh, Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov not the tag team champions? And who the hell are the U.S. Express? <laughs> so, so, you know, get, getting into the actual real product was a little different for me. But I eventually uh, became uh, uh, to the point of obsession for quite a few years there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you you were in, in the, well, I mean, honestly, to this day, really, you're you're the guy as far as I'm concerned with wrestling. Uh, and, and as with many of us, the interest, you know, kind of comes and goes to a certain extent, depending on how engaging WWE is at the time. But, uh, you know, certainly when I got back into it in the late nineties, you were the authority, you were the guy that knew everything. And you were one of those voices saying, yeah, yeah, we're watching WCW, but you guys really need to start watching WWF as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh. <laughs> There was some bad stuff happening on both those shows, especially now in retrospect. But uh, right, it's we, funny. We... <laughs> it's funny how electric everything was from certainly from '97 to '99. I, yeah. I would say that was the the peak of my. And look, I love the sport. I love watching the shows. But '97 to '99, there has never been a time when I was more deeply entrenched in the product. And it all seemed like we knew there was some garbage on, but even the garbage was like, even shitty wrestling was better than most other stuff on TV at the time. Everything was so over at that point. There was no, there were no segments that died back in those years. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I agree, because that's when when I was like, this is awesome. This is, I need to, yeah, and I was totally invested. And it all seemed can't miss. Like, the (laughs) idea of, and and granted, at the time, we didn't have smartphones. You know, now, I actually, I actively think of many segments on Raw as smartphone segments, where I'll sit there and look at Instagram or whatever. But at the time, even if we had had smartphones, I don't think we would have been looking at them, because it all just seemed so bad big and exciting and important yeah it wasn't i mean it was all appointment television it was all must-see television there was if you missed a week of wrestling you had to get caught up and now you can miss a month of wrestling which i know a lot of people who watch that way who only watch pay-per-views yeah some of the uh i mean my favorite uh message board or or whatever to engage or 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 creep on really because i don't engage all that much but uh, I, I always put it over as OOWrestling.com, online onslaught. And there are guys on there who know their shit, who are very smart voices of wrestling fandom, who that's how they watch it. 
They 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 watch the pay-per-views. If they hear about something cool on Raw, they go to YouTube and find the match or or whatever and uh you know, they don't that that's it. They don't watch weekly. They don't watch Raw on SmackDown every single week. Uh and and that's that's interesting to me that somebody can maintain a fandom with that level of engagement. But speaking of that level of engagement, uh, we do have a big pay-per-view, to some people, the, the biggest and most fun pay-per-view of the year coming up. And I guess they're not even pay-per-views anymore. Technically, they're what? They're network events. Is that right? Network exclusive events? Yeah. Yes, network. Okay, so, yeah, actually, I'm glad you said that, Noel, because that's something I wanted to ask you guys about. Are they literally only on the network now? Pay-per-view carriers are not dealing with WWE at all anymore? Is that accurate? I feel like in some places they still do it, but yeah, I don't I, think your average, I don't think like us, but I think like certain places um, still do have it. Well, yeah, I, think, I think the Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, I think those are still offered on a pay-per-view basis, but um, yeah, to be honest, I, I, know, I, I don't know. Yeah, everything, uh, all those original pay-per-views that happen monthly or whatever, those those are still on. Those are still on uh, pay-per-view. Uh, not as many households, of course, on pay-per-view as they used to be. The the exclusive specials, like the shows from Saudi Arabia, those right. are only available on the network. Okay, those okay. One-off shows like that, but um, all of the the classic ones, and then the your tables up, ladders and chairs, and all of those types of shows are still available in some households, at least. Well, when we stopped ordering the pay-per-views, you know, through a, a pay-per-view system on Comcast or, or whatever the case may be, DirecTV, whatever, I th- I think the price point of the last WrestleMania I paid for that way was fifty four ninety nine, which is crazy, and that was back when everybody would come over yep. and chip in, yep. <laughs> right. Yep. And now twenty or ten bucks a month gets you all of that, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. When they announced the ten dollars, I I thought they were crazy. I, I think it's the best deal for a streaming service. I don't care if you're a wrestling fan or not, but the amount of content that they have is insane. You're and I don't even watch right. it that much. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I get my money's worth just by watching it a few hours a month because if I watch a pay per view, I've already got my money's worth. Yep. Absolutely, and and all that's, the other shows are just gravy. Yeah, yeah. WrestleMania is like half, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. yeah, because I actually think the last the last pricing I saw for Mania because I I was an early adopter of the network because I knew it was something that I was going to want to keep up with, whether it was the original programming, the archives, or the current pay per views. Uh, I I just got in on that, but I think the last pricing I remember seeing was sixty four ninety nine for WrestleMania. Which is oh, and then, of yeah. course, JBL, one of the only things I can actually get behind him saying uh, in the last few years was when he was actually berating people for still buying it on pay-per-view. Yeah. He, of course, <laughs> been here the whole time. He's like, yeah, it, it, that does make sense. Why would you spend that much money on a on a show that you can watch, you know, countless hours for 10 bucks a month? Right, and, and even if you're not a fan of WWE's current product, the the archives that they have on there are insane at this point. I mean, they have yeah. almost all of the regional uh, archives for for the old territories and everything. I mean, it's it's really crazy. I think there are only two or three that they don't have at this point. 
I mean, they literally bought the competition. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, you yeah. can watch a- anything. I mean, at this point, if I don't know if we really want this, but we're just waiting for TNA to go <laughs> to be on it, you know. Um, I, I so, want, yeah, it's crazy. I haven't checked in with TNA uh, since Don Callis and uh, Scott Demore uh, ostensibly took over. And well, I do you have the Pursuit Network on your cable system? <laughs> the what's so that many again? people do. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, and that's just... the thing is, is TNA, my gosh, I mean, I, I want to believe with those guys in charge, they have to be doing a better job than the last time that I watched four years ago or whatever it was. They are. But did you say they aren't? They are. Oh, they are. <laughs> yeah, okay, they are. they are. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, TNA hit a they hit a good uh, peak with Broken, Matt Hardy, and stuff. Sure. And all that. So, uh, and then they faded out a little bit, and then they came back. Well, and that's I, I would love to catch up and see what they're doing, but it's part of my part of my wrestling fandom is that it needs to be easy to access. Uh, and when you talk about things like Ring of Honor, TNA, NJPW, there are hurdles that you have to jump to access that product. And in the, at this point in my life, I don't want to have to deal with a wonky website. I don't want to have to watch... I mean, look, I don't want to have to watch something on a, on a below 700 channel in standard definition. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Even that, I'm like, no thank you. Uh, But anyway, we should move on now because we are here to discuss uh, all of the eras or or different eras, what's going on right now in WWE, uh, what, what, you know, how our fandom has been shaped, that sort of thing. And I want to talk about what's going on right now. Do you guys have a favorite storyline that's occurring in WWE? at the moment uh let's let's start with joe actually first of all are you current with what's going on i'm i'm pretty current i at um after the after wrestlemania last year i took a break from the network because i wasn't getting work done (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm a i'm a freelance writer based in my house and i was like yeah, I wonder what's what what happened on on the Royal Rumble in 1997. Boop, 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 boop. And so, so I, for my own well being, I had to drop the network. So I've been watching it on Hulu. And what you, what you get on Hulu is you, you get uh, half of Raw and then SmackDown and NXT. I gotta so, tell you, I feel like half of Raw, like that idea, appeals to me so much. It does. Now, I can actually get through all of Raw, and all I'm watching is an hour and a half of it. Right. It's, it's, it's not bad at an hour and a half. And then um, when, when you look, when, when I check back to see what they didn't put on Hulu, I'm like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I see. I see why you didn't. Yeah, absolutely. But they don't, but, but they don't like, chop the matches up or anything. It's just they're just whole segments that just – don't you just don't see and from what i hear from friends that that watch on hulu uh which is most of the commentary team the the segments that are gone are not anything that that you regret missing here is what i've missed i believe in the past month or so of just watching on hulu 
I've missed Elias fight Baron Corbin 12 times. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say I've missing it, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, the, the Elias Corbin uh, feud is not your favorite story at the moment. What What's something that's really engaged you right now? Like, what what is... Uh, what is an ongoing thing that's got your interest, Joe? Um, I like evil Daniel Bryan. Yes. 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 Yeah, they've done a great job with taking and, – and look, we all know where Vince is on the political spectrum. But yeah. they uh, – you know, Daniel Bryan is cutting these absolutely incredible promos. Did everybody watch this week's SmackDown? Yeah. Yes. His, I missed it. His, <laughs> well, he refused to get in the ring uh, with AJ Styles on moral principles and cut this blistering promo about how upset he was that, that Vince and AJ didn't castigate the viewers for for their poor uh economically or uh, ecologically unfriendly ways and all all sorts of you know what what Daniel Bryan has been going on about lately and just really that guy we all know this but he has that magic that he engages the crowd in the way he wants to engage them he gets them in the palm of his hand and they do whatever he wants and it's amazing to watch. To, to think about the fact that he was the most over and popular guy in the company just, what, a month? Has it even been a month since he... Like a couple of months ago. Yeah, so about a month, a month and a half. Yeah. He was the most beloved person in the company. Now, I'm, yeah, and you know what? To say he was the most over is not accurate because he wasn't. But everybody loved him. And the fact that he was able to just flip that switch and in the space of a single night become the most diabolical bad guy is incredible. <laughs> and and watching it since then, yeah, I, I agree with you, Joe. That's a fantastic conversion and storyline. And a true and, villain. Yes, yeah, yes. Exactly. He's not he cool. He literally tells people, do not cheer for me. Yes. <laughs> Fickle. Fickle, fickle, <laughs> and then, yeah. And this week he goes, "I'm not fickle. You're fickle." Yes. Oh, yeah. I love that AJ threw fickle back at him, and his response was, "I'm not fickle. You're fickle." Like just the interactions, uh, it elevates whoever he's talking to. Uh, and actually, before we move on to the next person, I want to discuss something with all of you guys because you bring up uh, that segment with with AJ and Vince in the ring, Daniel Bryan refusing to get in the ring on moral principles. Uh, but Vince has been sort of injecting himself into the main event segments to open the show for the past couple of weeks now. And this is my personal opinion. It has done nothing but make them more awkward and weird. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree with that. I, I have no idea why he's out there. He looks so ratings. old. He's well. He so has nothing to do with what's going on. It it doesn't elevate the segment. It actually detracts from it because 
it is very clear. And look, I'm going to use a phrase here that I honestly don't believe describes Vince McMahon. But on the television, this is what it looks like. It looks like there's a clueless old man in the ring who's just decided to walk out because he owns the company. It doesn't have any immediacy for the storyline at hand. It adds nothing to the interaction between the superstars, especially when he came out for the Becky Lynch segment. Uh, it's it's bad. He he is he's detracting from the integrity of what's going on. Well, Do he's you- there for the same reason they dragged John Cena back out for the last few weeks because ratings have been in the toilet. And he feels like the only way to actually get people watching is to pop the show with some big names from the years past. But I will say this. I feel like Cena's segments have worked and have been interesting oh, and, yeah. and have been big moments. But when but when they you know, when they announced a few weeks ago, you know, Raw's changing, Vince is going to be here, you know, that's going to thing. Like, that, people tuned in for that. So that told sure. them and reinforced the notion that Vince equals ratings. So, there's only so many 70-year-olds you can bring out. Yep. Because they're all going to be dying <laughs> off soon. Well, <laughs> they're, all, they're all either dying off or terrible, terrible racists. Yeah. Which, yeah. Or, which, both. By, or both. By the way, I actually <laughs> want to really quickly, I want to touch on that as well. I thought that uh, bringing Hogan out to to tribute Mean Gene, uh, I think the idea was very sweet and could have been very great, and it turned into something, again, awkward and horrible. I yeah. actually didn't mind it. I, I actually, It worked for me. I, I it felt sincere, which is rare that you can say that in anything in the context of Hulk Hogan. Yeah, um, I couldn't get past the idea that, and, and this this doesn't have anything with to do with what they were presenting on screen. I couldn't get past the idea that WWE was taking this opportunity to trot Hogan out because they knew nobody was going to boo him in that situation. And now he's once again on the board as a moneymaker. And then when they came back from that beautiful tribute video, Hogan cut that really weird promo where he, for some reason, had to denigrate uh, Mae Young and Moolah, which, granted, Moolah is a whole other topic. (laughs) But uh, it just... I think after the Mean Gene tribute video, they should have cut, and and Hogan didn't need to speak after that. It, it was it became off putting to me at that point. Yeah, I can see that. I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, um, it was sad enough that we lost Mean Gene, and now he's telling us, "Hey, remember all these other people you love? They're dead <laughs> right, too." Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that that was a, a very weird. Promo. All right. So all we're... of the people I'm talking about, except me, are dead. <laughs> right. I, I've won the Royal Rumble of life. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm 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 almost surprised he didn't straight up say, "I'm still here, brother. I'm still the best." <laughs> Saying my prayers, eating my vitamins. Right. But uh, all right. So we're we're still we're we're sort of on the same page uh, on that one. And the and look, I don't mind Hogan being back. Uh, there's 
yes. he has a part to play. Yes. There's something he can do. Absolutely. Ooh. Absolutely. And and that's and that's fine. And I think uh if if more people's personal private conversations got out, there there would be the same reaction uh as far as like past wrestling business goes. Like you you couldn't shine too much of a spotlight on anybody that was around wrestling in the eighties without finding something that would get them castigated in today's modern environment. I mean, that's just, it's, it's culture changing. It's times changing and it's certainly for the better, but I think you run into a difficult situation when you hold somebody from a different era to the standard of today's, uh, cultural enlightenment, I guess. Unless they're, unless they're Ricky Steamboat. Yes, he's pure and true babyface, 100% he's the all the Hanks way. Tom professional wrestling. He absolutely is, <laughs> and good for him. I feel like Hacksaw Jim Duggan's the same way. <laughs> yeah, Hacksaw's probably the same. Well, no, he was a dirty Canadian for a while, so fuck that guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so to get back to what we were discussing, um, actually, Noel, do you have a current storyline that's really doing it for you? Um as as much as it pains me to say it, considering that one of the people involved is one of the most loathsome people in wrestling to me, um, I actually really am enjoying the story with The Miz and Shane McMahon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the the super best friend story. Sure. Um, and I, I, I think I like it more because I have a way that I want it to play out in my head that actually turns Miz into a legitimate babyface for real, for the first time in his career. Well, he's already getting the yes chant. But like, I'm just, he's I just usurped. don't have faith. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, how he's taking over Daniel Bryan's yes. role in that. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, no, and, I, and, and I've seen that happening. And like I said, I think he legitimately has a chance to really be a babyface. I just don't have faith that WWE will do the story the right way because <laughs> Shane McMahon is not going to... He doesn't have the humility to do the story the right way, I don't think. No, I okay. Agree with you. I, I I feel like let, let's dig into this because I I think I think uh, we're I think we may be on the same page here. We might be. I don't know. Uh, at the Rumble, Shane has got to come out in a Miz costume. They've <laughs> got to have matching outfits. Yes. Yes. Are we are we agreeing? Well, on it that? won't. I mean, it's not going to be literally like Miz's trunks and everything, but. He does have to show up in something that matches what Miz is wearing. It has to happen. He can't. He can't do the 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 exercise pants right. and the jersey. Right, right. He I can't do. That. I, at least I have. We're. I'll tell you right now. Everybody that's sitting here in the Phantom Zone watching will be booing the shit out of him if he does show up in one of his jerseys and like exercise pants deals. And his kids will probably show up too. Right. I'll also start doing this in the moment he starts throwing his flurry of punches. But uh, oh, 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 and uh, oh, oh, did you? Corey Graves on SmackDown called them bunches of punches, <laughs> which I love that call. But they are, you know, by by all reports, they are shitty looking punches that hurt really bad. Uh, so so anyway, okay, so the Miz. Uh, Miz and Shane McMahon I agree with you guys I have 
despite myself, but and I love Miz. I have so much respect for that guy. I think he's one of the hardest working people in the business. Uh, I did not like this at first, but they've won me over. I'm I'm all in. I've bought into this idea, uh, and it, really, it was Miz's promo about his dad uh, mm-hmm. that won Shane over. That won me over. Uh, now, Noel, Noel, does in 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 your scenario, does this carry it carry through WrestleMania? Does this keep going, or I think my, my my idea for it is they lose the match at Rumble. Miz immediately turns bad on Shane. Immediately crushes him. Like, no, like, no, no. We were supposed to win the titles. I'm done. See, and, and I think I'm that thinking. is more likely than what I would hope to have happened. Uh, but I, I, I think that the right way to go with that would be that Shane actually turns on Miz. Yes. And then Miz actually gets a legitimate win over him at Mania. And not just uh, the the usual Shane fought so hard, but Miz just beats him, beats the shit out of him, and just <laughs> celebrates in the ring as a conquering babyface. See, I'm with you, Noel, and I think there's that would so be great. I think there's so much more money in babyface Miz in that scenario scenario than you'll ever have out of out of anything else from Shane McMahon. Shane Shane comes out and suddenly he's leading a faction with with the bar behind him after the storyline they've been doing right now, the fans are ready to boo him. Yes, they cheer yes. him now because he inserts himself, but he's been teasing this heel turn for a long time. I'm just, I just don't think he is willing to go through with it. Well, I'll tell you what I would love to see is uh, more, and, and this would go along with what you just said of Miz maybe teaming up with the bar. Uh, I would really love to see, or I'm sorry, uh, McMahon teaming up with the bar. I would really love to see more of Miz and New Day because their chemistry uh, a couple of weeks ago was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. The the sort of I'm becoming a bit of a babyface Miz dealing with New Day's we're not buying your shit yet. I, I there's there's so much money to be made with babyface Miz, and I hope that's the route they're going. Uh. All right, what about you, Rich? Is there something that's really engaging you right now? Yeah, it's got to be what is going to be the main event at WrestleMania, and it is the women. Uh, I mean, right now, I would guess it could be any uh, variation of Ronda, Becky, and Charlotte, maybe. Maybe a three-way, I don't know. But uh, I'm really looking forward to that, and I am am pro- ronda rousey in the best way possible like she is if anybody will have ever shocked me it it is her like i just uh, i just buy it i just i just love her in the wwe i'm with you 100 percent uh i it, it's actually difficult for me to to choose if <laughs> if we do see becky lynch versus ronda rousey i'm gonna have a terrible time with that match uh, because I've been championing Becky Lynch. I, it's funny, I actually posted on NeedlessThingsPodcast.com uh, a superstar rundown from four years ago where I said that Becky Lynch was mo- one of the most valuable people in the company, and I really hope that at some point she gets the opportunity to shine. And so for at least four years now, I have been championing Becky Lynch, and now she's finally on top. I think 
that aside from Ronda Rousey, she's one of the biggest names in the company right now. Uh, mm-hmm. You you can't you can't dispute Ronda Rousey's value. And look, she's caught onto this yeah. business like few have. Uh, she's engaging. She has a unique character. Every second that she's on the screen is interesting. She's still finding her way. I'm not going to try and claim that all of her mic work is tremendous, but it's good and it's convincing. Uh, but Becky Lynch, I mean, she is, you know, the stone cold comparisons are fair. They absolutely yeah. are. She, she has found herself the way that she carries herself. Just walking to the ring speaks volumes more than others get with actual words during a promo. Uh, I am dying to see Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey, and I'm actually concerned that they're going to inject Charlotte into that match because I don't want that. I th- I I think Charlotte's great, but I also think she is not on the same level. Uh, see, they they've done this before. I, they've done well, they've done heel Charlotte in the main event before, but they haven't done Becky Lynch in this spot. So that's what I want. Yes. Yes, and that's the thing is we're very familiar with, with what Charlotte is at this level. Uh, now, she's really good. But. Yes, but she on a, on a believability level, on a credibility level, to me, she is not the same as Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey. Uh, her mic work has kind of leveled off at I can deliver angry sounding lines. Uh, I don't really buy her promos now in ring work she has proven that she can be great with just about anybody uh but there's just to me that that believability that getting into my suspension of disbelief is the most important quality you can have after decades of watching this product i value somebody that i can believe more than I value an incredible in-ring worker, more than I value just a great promo, I value somebody that I watch and I'm like, oh shit, I, is this real? What's happening? Yeah. 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 When I see her taking down somebody, I'm like, that looks like that hurts. Like, yes. I'm legitimately afraid of her. I I believe with Rousey and Becky Lynch both that prior to segments, they say, look, we're going to make this look good. That's our priority. So deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rich, I'm glad you brought that up because that, that was absolutely going to be one of mine. But instead, uh, I'm going to go with, and, and this is a favorite part of current WWE product. I absolutely love the Riot Squad. Uh, I think Ruby Riot is one of the MVPs of 2018. And when they first showed up, Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan made absolutely no sense being teamed up with Ruby Riot. No sense. <laughs> but they have become a functioning unit. They have not done the bullshit where they have clashing egos or clashing styles. Ruby Riot is the leader. And Liv and Sarah are the hench thug women, whatever you want to call them. And as such, they have been so effective 
in progressing storylines, in getting other superstars over, and at the same time maintaining their spots as absolutely integral to that women's division because they're believable. Ruby Riot cuts great promos. She's sinister. She's diabolical. Uh, and in the ring, she's one of the best women they have. And I just, I love them as a unit now. I'm so impressed with how they've won me over. Because like I said, when they first got called up, I was not buying it. And now, I'm buying it 100%. And when Ruby Riot sets her sights on someone, it feels like a genuine threat. It feels like a genuine story. Uh, and not just a, alright, well I guess it's time for these two to have a match. Uh, and now that we've introduced Nikki Cross into the situation, and it looks like they're bringing up a little bit of that like blood feud that that they had in NXT, that just makes it even more interesting. Uh, I'm a and, big, big fan of the Riot Squad. How are you guys feeling about them? Yeah, I've been doing I great. Them. Uh, the crazy thing is the that there is the women's division on both shows more, uh, and uh, on 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 NXT too have shown more A to B to C to D progression than any men's stuff. I agree. I, yeah. I think, th- honestly, I'm much more invested in the women's division than I am in anything else in WWE right now. Like, yeah. I'm the, the, no joke, the women's Royal Rumble was like, my first or second favorite match of the year last year. And we expected nothing from it. Yeah, we thought it was just gonna be because uh, we've seen so many of those women's battle royals. That's just all right. Let's get all the ladies on the screen, and that was a bad note. Not just a good women's match; it was a fantastic Royal Rumble match. Yeah, exactly, and it uh, it gave it it did what, and I will will segue to the Royal Rumble stuff uh, uh, eventually, but it did what the best of Royal Rumbles do, it gave spotlights to everybody. Yes. So many people got high high spot moments, and the legends were not just thrown away. Every legend, the, the crowd freaked out for every single legend who showed up. And it, and wasn't, so, got, and it wasn't so crowded with nostalgia acts that they got lost in the shuffle. Exactly. And what's cool is that None of these ladies were old and decrepit. I mean, these guys these guys could go on Monday Night Raw every week, but they just they just don't want to. You yeah. know, <laughs> that I mean, Trish and Lita and those others they they've got other stuff to do. They've done it for 10, 20 years. They they're done. But to come in for one night and crush it like they did at the Women's Royal at the at the at the Rumble last year was just I mean, that's what I want from a Rumble. I want crazy guest stars to come back, and I want new. I want cool debuts, and the Women's Royal Rumble had, and and I want new stars to be made, and that's what the Women's Royal Rumble did last year. Yeah, absolutely. They, it, it did a fantastic job of that. Now, granted, the, the winner it took quite some time for her to become the the top of the program 11 months <laughs> but at least she's there now uh, yes. cuz she is Oscar is definitely one of my favorites uh okay so let's see uh, Noel, did we did we catch a current storyline from you yes 
Oh, you got Miz and Shane, right? Yes, Miz and Shane. Uh, Joe, what about you? Uh, mine was Daniel Bryan. Okay, so Mike Gordon. Well, um, I mean, the you know, I, I was going to say the women as well, just because they are the only, they're the main reason I watch now. They really are. Um, you know, I I don't have Hulu, but I make. You know, thanks to the fast forward button, Raw is like a little over an hour program for me. Yes, sure. Um, Thank you. But you know, when the women are on, and you know, we mentioned the big names, of course, but also like you know, like Ember Moon, Sonya Deville. I mean, they're just solid all the way down. Sure, there's some still some you know some weak links, some divas still there, but I, I got to say, like both outside the ring and inside the ring, they they're they're really the reason that I watch. Um, yeah, you need a couple divas there. I think that that you have to have that balance. Yeah. I think having a couple of those that are kind of throwbacks to that makes the ones who are not seem that more outstanding. Well, it's the classic exactly. pro wrestling thing of you have different people good at different things. Like you don't want everybody to be a top-notch in-ring worker. You want some people to have a great over-the-top character. You want, like, I think Lana is a perfect example of that. She's she's fine in the ring, but her character work is fantastic. And honestly, I don't think they're using her enough right now. Uh, She's forgotten how to be a good manager, though. That's that's the thing that I can't, I don't like about her. For some reason, she has no idea on what to do anymore. And I'm like, that, she used to be one of the best. Well, it's because they have no idea what to do with Rusev. Well, that's part of it too. Um, but so, so since we talked about the women a lot, um, I guess I'm going to take the opportunity then to talk about, I guess, my other favorite thing in the WWE right now, which is NXT. Now, I'm not going to go over like the whole storylines and everything that's going on there, but I will say, you know, for the last few years, people have been saying to me, NXT is the best show. NXT is the best WWE program. NXT, you got to watch NXT. You got to watch NXT. And I would watch the takeovers, and they would be really solid. But I just couldn't spare watching another hour of wrestling a week. I just couldn't do it. Sure. Um, so last year, after the takeover, um, I think at WrestleMania, I decided, I'm like, you know what? This product is so good. I, I need to continue to watch this. And if if the other shows you know, suffer, then the other shows suffer. But I need to give NXT a chance. And I have fallen in love with NXT to the point now where... I completely understand where people are coming from when people get called up in NXT and like are not used very well and not booked very well, and which is oh, just about all of them. Yeah, because this is the first these six uh, six or so people that are coming up now, right? Yeah, are is 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 sort of my my class, right? right like right. this is the class that I've been watching, and. I am so scared for them. <laughs> like, I, I, well, and like, how, I, how do you screw up some of the, like, uh, AOP? How can you screw them up? Yeah, I didn't, I, I have no idea they how they can screw up AOP, AOP, but they have, you know? Um, certainly, uh, changing out their manager was a, uh, was a big way to screw them up. Um, well, you know, Ellering, Ellering wasn't interested in doing the travel that would have been required of him to manage oh, them. But, but the, Drake but the, Maverick was not the right choice. No, absolutely not. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm afraid. But I've realized, and I realized this just the past couple weeks, you know, when I see Nikki Cross come up and she has her first match. I feel 
very proud. I'm like just watching it. And I'm really happy for her. Yeah. Um, the same thing with uh, Lacey last week. The same thing with um, you know uh, the heavy machinery. I'm like I'm I'm so hoping invested that these guys get over. Uh, that um, it's kind of like the effect that, in a, some small way, that Tough Enough had on us, right? When we watched yeah. Tough yeah. Enough. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like we got to know are... these guys, right? So, um, so yeah, I'm really, like, just keenly watching what happens with them. And I'm already, you know, uh, what's the situation with Lars has got me crushed. Because I'm like, I that, yeah. that, that I don't. I can't understand it, but I'm I'm like I feel so bad for that guy because you know you you get to that level and you just you can't handle it for whatever reason and it just all falls apart and uh, I hope he can recover. I don't know if he can recover in time for WrestleMania, but I hope so. Yeah, and and for the listeners that may not be aware, Lars Sullivan uh, is a big scary guy who had a lot of a success beast. in NXT. He's a beast. He he's he is like an alternate sort of Brock Lesnar almost. Um, I mean, he looks like he came out of a different era. He just yes. doesn't even look human. Yes. He reminds me of uh, Gene Snitsky. <laughs> By look. Well, and... I think one week, one week, Mauro Reneo said he looks like he was drawn by Jack Kirby. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely perfect. Precisely right. He looks like Ben Grimm made flesh. Yeah. Uh, but... He had, he was supposed to appear on Raw a couple of weeks ago and had an anxiety attack and did not show up for the the show. And then they said, okay, we'll show up for SmackDown. Because with these call-ups, something very interesting they've been doing is having them appear on Raw and SmackDown to see where they fit in, which I really think is cool. And it's giving the audience a better opportunity to get to know, you know, because look, we all know NXT, even though I haven't been watching it the past few months, I'm very familiar with who's there and what's going on. Uh, so it gives your your average Joe audience the opportunity to see these people and sort of slot them into the main roster. So they said, okay, Lars didn't make Raw, show up for SmackDown, and he just no-showed SmackDown and apparently literally flew back home. Uh, Now, I will say this. When I first heard that he was going to be a call-up, which he was actually the first one announced out of this current batch. They were doing promo videos Yeah, they were pushing him him very early on. And as soon as they said he was going to be called up, my first thought was, well, how long before he's doing a dancing gimmick? Yeah. <laughs> Any big guy, that is my fear. Uh, yes. And it's funny because Chris Jericho tells a story. Um, or no, I'm sorry, it's Don Callis. Don Callis tells a story about, um, oh gosh, who did he manage that was a big giant dude? Um, Kurgan. 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 Um, Don Callis tells a story about being out with the boys one night at a club and they're drinking, they're having fun, and Kurgan gets up and starts dancing, and Don Callis knew that Vince was in the club, and he tried to get him to stop. He was like, do not let Vince see you dance. Stop. Sit down. Stop it. And uh, Vince saw him dance, and sure enough, that's how we ended up You know, later on with dancing Kurgan. He was no longer a, a, a terrifying giant. He was a big, goofy guy. And that's that was my thought with Lars Sullivan. I was like, "Oh shit, he's he's not going to last. He's going to be, you know, just like uh, what's his name? That's uh, oh gosh, uh, Brodus, Brodus. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I just recently talked about Brodus on a wrestling podcast, and, man, that, that broke my heart, man. I, I, was what, I loved it. Play. I did, too. I, I, I loved the, the Funkasaurus. I, I did. I did. I know the way they swerved everywhere with that. I thought it was fantastic. Um, yeah. Because you know what, Brodus Clay was never that good, and yeah, he's a scary looking guy. But how many big scary looking guys who aren't very good in the ring do you actually need? And <laughs> exactly. You, I don't you know. Bring him in with a comedy gimmick. You know, you probably he probably hit his ceiling with that gimmick. And I'm I'm glad they did that rather than what they could have done with him. Yeah, everybody wanted him to be a big monster, and then when he turned heel, people were like, I, yeah. I wish he was dancing again. Yeah. <laughs> well, to move on, okay, did we hit, did we hit everybody's current story? Rich, did we get your uh, favorite current storyline? Yeah, the women. Okay, okay, so we're good there. Uh, let's move on then. Just one pick, WWE roster, which superstar do you currently find to be the most engaging? It can be SmackDown or Raw, but the person that, regardless of what they're doing, you want to watch it, whether they're wrestling, whether they're talking, whatever it is they're doing, you're like, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm putting the phone down. I'm, I'm putting the remote down. I'm watching this. Uh, we'll start with Noel this time. Becky. Yeah. Absolutely, 100% Becky. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I've I, I'm going to go ahead and say Becky Lynch as well. Uh, everything she does is golden. Now, I will say this though: while Becky is the most compelling superstar on the roster, you hate I, watching her run the ropes. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, 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 no. I, I don't want to harp on Dick. the on the <laughs> Dick Burn. Oh, no, 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 yeah. no. I actually want to say I think Ronda Rousey is the most valuable superstar on the roster just because of the value she had when she came into WWE. Uh, WWE has not squandered that. And I do think that Rousey has the potential to be their next Stone Cold or Rock. Uh, Oh, yeah. But, but of course, Rousey comes in from the outside. Yes, yes. Becky Lynch is not going to get ESPN headlines just for everything she does because – She's only known to the WWE audience. And but I think she has crossover appeal, and I think that she could um, be look, in look, that level. she was level in the Marine well. 5. What more well, do you that's... want? <laughs> uh, oh, there you go. But that's but I why think... I want to see Ronda and Becky be a one-on-one match at Mania, because if you do a triple threat, you're not going to elevate Charlotte and Becky in the same way that you would if it's just Becky versus Ronda. I think there's more money to be made from elevating just Becky and making her get that attention for facing Ronda Rousey and making her the public name. I think that's the way to go. And that's the match people want to see. Everybody was dying to see that before Nia fucking Jax knocked her out. (laughs) Right. And, and, well, and, and then look, before everyone cheered Charlotte for beating Ronda down with a cane. Yeah, yeah and that's I, I don't quite understand that uh, faction that that still doesn't seem to get that Ronda's doing a great job. But but whatever. Uh, and and also you know how focused in on this whole four horsewomen versus four horsewomen that that I don't think is as much money right now as they as some people seem to think it is. 
Um, no, they got they got to build that for like yeah, the next year. That's yeah. next year's WrestleMania. That is not for now. Now, now Shana, Shana Baszler is awesome. Oh, she's fantastic. Two, oh yes, <laughs> yeah. She's you gotta, terrifying. You got to do something with the other two for like another year before you can right before it means anything. Yeah. Uh, well, Joe, since you spoke up, who who is grabbing your attention the most right now? Uh, Baron Corbin. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, look, I could sit here and make an argument for Baron Corbin being one of their top superstars. He, ooh, I, mm, I... I think he has embraced that character. I think every minute that he's on TV, he's making the most of it. He gets a huge reaction from live crowds, more so than, than most. And, he's Vicky Guerrero. And he's a straight-up heel. He is not yes. cool at all. I, I I like that guy, and I admire what he's done. I mean, the the change is certainly better. I mean, he is he's more, much more watchable than when he was sort of a biker dude. Well, he was just a very of. generic like he he exactly. looked like a creator wrestler that anybody yeah, would did. have made in like two thousand two. Literally, yeah, yes, you are correct. That is precisely right. The. Uh, <laughs> The guy that people have been telling to shave his head for years, and uh, thankfully he finally got around to doing it. And Mrs. Troublemaker's reaction was, oh, he's kind of (laughs) cute. So many people need to shave in in Raw, but (laughs) so many. Well, Um, not only some need to shave their heads, some need to stop wearing extensions. Thank you. If there is one thing I could change about WWE, believe it or not, it would be that the women would stop having shitty extensions in their hair. It's ridiculous. I think Sasha's extensions are causing her forehead to grow even bigger. Yeah, well, and that's the th- well, no, it's no, no, no. That's a thing. That's when the way that they're woven in, it actually does pull the hair back, and that's why when yeah. you look at Alicia Fox, she's got a five head. That's why I worry about Rhonda with these like super tight braids that she's doing up against her head. It's like, oh, you're going to be bald in five years. Yeah, but for her, in her case, she just does them for for matches. It's not an all the time thing, but but still, yes, <laughs> we need to get away from that. But at least at least Rhonda keeps her hair out of her face and doesn't look like a dumbass the whole time she's having a match by having to move her three foot long extensions out of her face every time she does a move. Anyway, I'm sorry I have a problem with the lady's hair. <laughs> uh, so, Joe, who is your actual pick? Oh gosh, it, it it's 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 tough. I um I like Samoa Joe's promos. Yes, he's very real. Uh, the the results of his matches are not what I want them to be. Sure. The word I'm looking for is baffling on that one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yes. Well, he did. Uh, he did win against Mustafa Ali, which I think was the right is, call. Uh, and he's he he um shouldn't be where he is. He he should be uh up with uh. Uh, uh, he he should be like a a Brock Lesnar level type dude, and he's just not. Well, at the very uh, least, but, he should be a guy that we're discussing as a potential Rumble winner, and he isn't. Exactly. But I, I dig him, and I want to see his matches. I am happy that he is not in TNA anymore. I'm happy that he is on a major show. 
which he deserved years before um, he, he made it there. And so that's cool. I feel like, and not just because we have the same name, but we, but we, uh, <laughs> we I, I, felt, I felt kind of some ownership over Samoa Joe. I felt like, well, this, this poor jerk, I've watched, yeah. I watched him job out to Val Venus on Impact, you know. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I owe him. <laughs> I owe him something. Well, and it's interesting. It's the same thing you guys were talking about with NXT is, you know, I started watching TNA back in 2002. So I saw AJ back then. I saw Samoa Joe when he came in. Like all these guys, it's still when I see them coming out on Raw or SmackDown, I still get a little like, holy shit, I can't believe this is happening. Exactly. (laughs) And, And... if you look at the history of how the WWF and WWE have used outside talent, they really aren't treating Joe that badly. Uh, that is 100% true. <laughs> and who would have ever suspected they would have done that with AJ Styles? Oh my gosh, right? And they gave him, I mean, there was a probationary period. That first six yeah. months was not pretty. Yeah, yeah. But he proved himself, he got past it, and now he's one of the top guys in the whole freaking company. Yeah, uh, it's it's incredible, uh, Mike. What about you? Who who is who do you find most compelling right now? And if it's somebody that we've already mentioned, that's that's fine. That's fair. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the man. I can't I can't not say the man. She's just by and far the most compelling character that they've got right now, and they're using her very well. And she, I think she's because she's in control of that. I think you know it's not just. Uh, I mean, sure, the writers are there, but I think. Uh, I think there's so much of her that's part of it, you know. I mean, not that the other character wasn't her, but this one, she you can just tell she's so comfortable with. I mean, just the other day, you know, just her driving the truck up uh, and then, uh, you know, doing the interview, throwing, tossing the keys to the girl. Like, just meeting up with New Day was just so fun. Like, she, they just need to keep doing that with her. She's got uh, oh, some natural oh gosh, yeah, the charisma where she, she drank yeah. Otis's awful... Yes, exactly. Beautiful. Yeah, so good. But um, so since we've already said her, I, I will. I have to also point out that the last three weeks on SmackDown, Rey Mysterio versus Andrade has Holy been shit. phenomenal. Yeah. Like that's pay per view level quality like stuff, and uh, we get to see it every week. And I, I, I could literally watch them every week. Like just have an Andrade's race segment from now on on SmackDown, especially when it moves to Fox, and you'll be you'll get all the ratings you need. I agree. I agree 100%. Their matches have blown me away. Uh, I cannot believe how much Ray can still go. Yeah. Yes. Uh, with his robot knees or whatever he has going on down there. Uh, and then granted, I've I've liked Almas since he showed up in NXT. And, and I, will, I will qualify that statement. Uh, when I first saw Alberto Del Rio... I thought he was going to be a huge player in the company because WWE needs to grab any diversity that they can. Uh, But when they do, it needs to be somebody that is talented and that can carry the type of fandom that Ray carried for so many years. Uh, so, So my judgment here is not untarnished, but when almost showed up in NXT, I immediately liked the guy. I immediately saw star power. And I will go ahead and say again, I think Almas has the potential to be 
a future big time main event WWE player for for a long time if he can stay healthy. Uh, if he doesn't have attitude problems, which from what I understand he does not, he is very happy to be there. Uh, and as long as he doesn't let anybody get in his ear that shouldn't, which apparently uh, Alberto, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> apparently Del Rio already tried to sabotage him. Yeah. Uh, but I think Almas has a very, very bright future. I love watching that guy. I don't know who you're talking about. His name is just Andrade now. That's yeah. annoying. Yeah, that is yes, extremely it is. annoying. It, I much hate like it. Apollo. <laughs> I saw that last week, and I'm like, "What did they do? Like, really? Real like, quick, come on, real quick." Before we get to, I think Rich, you're the last one. Uh, well, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, get to Rich, and then we'll we'll talk about Bobby Lashley for a second. Okay. Uh, well, so we might oh, as well talk about him now. Rich? I'm sorry. So, 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 <laughs> in fear that Mike Gordon's going to drive over here and kick my ass, um, I have hated Bobby Lashley for years, but him and Leo Rush are just the best for me. And I get if people don't like it, but I just love it. I, he is my absolute favorite. I went to WWE Live, and he was supposed to be there, and he wasn't, and I was disappointed, and they didn't even have a T-shirt that I could buy, and I was going to buy a Bobby Lashley T-shirt. I mean, I'm shocked as much as anybody else. I just think I just think this is the first time his character or him or whatever has ever worked. I am, I am absolutely with you on this one. Uh, I never thought much of Bobby Lashley. The only time I was really engaged with him at all was when he was uh, WWECW champion and was feuding with Rob Van Dam. I thought they had some really entertaining matches. Uh, I bought him at that point. Outside of that, I've never cared for Lashley. I hated Leo Rush when they first brought him up with Lashley, but I think they've leveled out. They've found the right tone for the both of them and i think the two of them are a great heel act and i'm i am now very like when lashley and rush show up on tv i pay attention now as opposed to groaning i'm with you yeah yeah his music is amazing too they made some subtle changes to it and it's it's so much better than when he first came back Yes, there's like this long like horn sound like during some of the changes of the music and I just love it, man. If I'm in a bad mood or I need a pick me up, I will listen to that music and it gets me psyched, man. Yeah, they've I, I'm very impressed with the tweaking and fine tuning they have done to that act over the past few months to get it where it is now to get it to the point where when he won the ic title i was like yeah this is the right call i just hope i I just hope they are smart enough to bring kevin owens back to beat him for that ic title in his first oh wow yes if they don't do that then they are doing everything wrong do you mean skinny kevin owens yes (laughs) kevin atkins (laughs) that that one match where without saying a word one Bobby turned heel and Kevin turned face in that one match. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I, I want that. I week. want Kevin Owens back as a face, but I want Sami Zayn back as a heel. Oh, yeah, Sami heel is the well, best. Every yeah. time and, they and, do something and, like that, and they can't face each other for at least a year. Yes. Oh yeah, you keep them apart for yep. sure. But Put every them on time different I see brands them or something. something. 
like the segment you were talking about where they managed to turn two people in in just such a subtle way in one segment. And you're like, you still have the ability to write these compelling storylines and deliver things like that. Yeah. It blows my mind how they can drop the ball so many other times. Yeah. But you it's know like, what? <laughs> are you saving up? Do you have like coupons? You can only use it once every six months? I will say this, though. To be fair, I think WWE right now bottoms out at uninteresting. I think as bad as they get is uninteresting. I don't think there's very much that's legitimately just bad now. Uh, and and to the point where when there is something that's bad, it really, really stands out, like the whole Mandy Gold Jey Uso thing. Ugh. Which has oh been my gosh. absolutely or can... horrible. Or what any of these segments that? like that with the, with the cameras that are just imaginary that right. we are Thank all you. seeing. Right. The jump cuts. In, we used in, to make in, fun of WCW for that. Yeah. And how and when, when you're watching a segment and you think how I could direct it and make it better, that's not the what they want. For, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the goal of the SmackDown creators is let's see if the audience could do this better. Well, especially That's... in the year 2019, where everybody has these little cameras on them at all times that you can just subtly film people without them knowing. Right, let alone that. The, the abrupt jump cut in the hotel fight when <sighs> Jay leaves and then you just see Mandy stare off into the distance and then abrupt cut, there's <laughs> Naomi. Why did that have to happen? I was just boggled. Yeah, that was that was horrible. But that just reasserts my point is that we all know that was the bad segment, but very rarely that, do we see anything else that bad and stuff that, that bad used yeah. to happen a lot. Because well, that is that is so ingrained because that that segment made me so angry. It, it pointed out how good everything else is. Yes. What Absolutely. I what I can't understand is why uh, Alexa Bliss's Moment of Bliss's segments are so bad because she should be the raw equivalent of the Miz and and I know she's capable but I don't know if it's the writers or I don't know what they're it looks like they're turning her face and I, I don't understand what what's going on with her they are they are treating her very poorly I think they've been in a very difficult spot uh, I I wouldn't say they're treating her poorly. I would say that because they don't know for weeks now, they haven't been quite sure where she is with her concussion. Uh, they want to keep her on TV, which is the right call. Sure. Uh, they want to keep her character going, which is the right call. But th- I think that they're giving her scripts. I don't think she has the same freedom as Becky. Uh, no, not at all. And she's she's having to make the best of some really, really bad material in the name of keeping her awareness out there. And look, uh, I love little heel Alexa Bliss, but there's no denying the organic positive response that she's been getting over the past few weeks, especially this past Monday when she announced that she was going to be in the Rumble, and she got a big pop for that. 
Yeah, she did. I was surprised because her Moment of Bliss segments have been getting like really big like boos and from the audience and and I thought, well, you're just, you know, ruin like, you know, tarnishing her brand a little bit, but um but when she announced that, I was very happy to see that uh yeah, the crowd still wants her. They wanted to wrestle. Yeah, they wanted to be in action. <laughs> and and I agree. She's I'm I'm very interested to see what's going on with her. All right, we've got to move on. Uh we were going to discuss potential superstars, but we, we've got to move past that. Let's talk a little bit uh, in our last few minutes here uh, about, let's see. No, you know what? We're going to have to skip over. I think SmackDown versus Raw. Does everybody pretty much agree SmackDown's the superior show? Oh, yes. yeah. And it's because Vince doesn't care. <laughs> I, I don't think it's, it's also fair. It's two hours long. Well, and that's I think that's the biggest part is that it's two hours long. It has a smaller roster, uh, and and they're able to focus on storylines and superstars in a much different way. Uh, but they also have a little more dynamic roster than Raw. But to, we've got to move past that, and we've got to talk a little bit about the Rumble before we wrap this thing up. Now, Noel, you're the guy who kind of made me realize that the Royal Rumble really is the most exciting event of the year. Uh, you know, of the original Big Four, which was the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, SummerSlam and Survivor Series. Uh, the Rumble was the one that it was the easiest to get engaged with. Because it's the one that I always looked forward to the most every year. Uh, every. Agreed, yes. Me too. Me too. It's the one where it becomes easiest to suspend your disbelief because regardless of what booking is, you can get invested in a 30-man or 30-person battle royal. It's also the only one that I would really lose my shit if it got spoiled for me beforehand. Yes, yes, like absolutely. Everything else was like, uh, okay, so I now know who won won that match. You know, but you if, know who won the fake fight. Yes, but with the rumble, <laughs> I want to know. I, I don't want anything spoiled. I don't want yeah. any of the moments in that match spoiled yeah. for me. Absolutely, I agree, hundred um, percent. So the rumble is something very, very special. We're all excited for it. Do you guys? And I, I don't know that I really get to this point anymore, but. Does anybody here have a, a Rumble pick? Do you have, for, for the men's Rumble and the women's Rumble, do you have somebody that you feel like is a sure shot? Uh, let's start with Rich. Oh, I don't know. I, I tried thinking about this, and um, I don't. I mean, Nakamura won last year, right? And that yes. made sense. Nakamura and, that and Asuka worked. were last year's winners. I really do, just don't know where they're headed for WrestleMania because if Finn actually wins, it changes everything. I mean, with Roman out, it changed everything. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and um, I will say, since the beginning of the year, do you guys agree that for the most part, the shows have recovered pretty nicely? Oh, yeah. Well, since yeah. it died at that one night, since yeah. Monday Night Raw died in whatever city they were in. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that was bad. Uh, I don't. I don't have... I'm, I'm terrible at picks. I, I'm I terrible too. at guessing things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I would imagine, uh, like, Charlotte or uh, Becky wins um, the Rumble. I don't know. Charlotte. Well, well, we've got um, we've got <laughs> Becky versus Oscar is actually part of the event, but depending on how that goes, you so know, you... she wins that, Charlotte wins the Rumble, and they uh, they have a three way WrestleMania. That's my pick. Okay, 
Fair <laughs> enough. And uh, for the for the men's side, Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to say uh, for the men's side, and this is not my personal preference, but I I think it it kind of has to happen. Uh, I think Seth Rollins is is probably a really good candidate to win the men's rumble. Yeah. Uh, and for the women's rumble, that one's a lot tougher for me because I feel like there are a lot of variables with two big women's matches on that show. We have Oscar versus Rousey and we have Becky versus, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Rousey versus Sasha Yep. and Becky versus Oscar. And that takes two pretty likely candidates out of the mix but I hate to assume it's Charlotte. So I don't, I don't know. I don't really have a pick. I'll go ahead and say Charlotte because that seems like the predictable WWE thing to do. But uh, we'll see. What about you, Noel? How are you feeling? I think for the men, um, I'm down to two. Uh, I think that I know you're not a huge fan of Drew McIntyre, but I think he's become a pretty interesting presence on the show. And especially if you have Finn Balor winning at the Rumble um, against Lesnar, he and Finn, uh, Finn and, uh, and McIntyre already kind of have this program going, and it would be a perfect opportunity to put them against each other at Mania with the with the Universal Title on the line. Um, so I think that he's he'd be a good choice. I think uh, Braun Strowman is also a pretty good uh, possibility since he's not in that match now, and they still sure. want to build to yet another match with him and Brock Lesnar. Yeesh. I guess it depends on who wins. Uh, their match to determine who might actually walk out of the the Rumble as the winner. I I am actually hoping that Finn and Brock will be the main event of the Rumble because I think that will telegraph things if we see that result too early in the night. Yeah. Well, and the same thing, too. If one of those guys wins the Rumble, that'll also probably telegraph things. Well, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But you never know. They they, they do tend to kind of change things. There's always the Elimination Chamber where someone might lose a title or uh, give up their shot. These things, nothing is ever set in stone, obviously. Well, and I do like that the Women's Elimination Chamber has already been established that it's going to be for the women's tag titles. So we don't yeah. we don't have as much uncertainty or leeway there. Like, whatever they nail in is kind of... Unless they like, do two. They can always oh do two Women's Elimination cha- Although, the Ross, I, I still think the roster isn't big enough to do tag team champions for the women... Just yet, um, especially if you're going to try to keep it on one brand. Um, I, I, if you're going to have separate Raw and SmackDown shows, which they're going to have to have a lot more of when there's a separation on Fox, right? Um, you're not going to be able to have as many. You can't promote the other show as much as you do right now because right, they're on the same right. network. Um, so, yeah. And then for the women, uh, as much as Charlotte seems like the most obvious winner, I want to see Carmella win it. Just, oh, Sure. It, and just to just to add on to all of the like unbelievable things she's done in her short career as a wrestler, <laughs> right? I'm with <laughs> and you. And the fact that she's number thirty, and I love her in Truth right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're so great. great. They're <laughs> great. Uh, Joe Crow, who are your picks? I I, I I like Carmella too, and I didn't honestly think until Noel said that that well, you know, she could win. That would be great. Um. I, I the the rumble uh it really is just a collection of moments for me and thankfully the the one the one thing I'm looking forward to the most is 
Roman not being in it. Not a negative on Roman. <laughs> sure, no, I understand. I understand. We we because, all we all wait. here want the best for Roman Reigns. Yes. Now now hang on. We don't know how his recovery is going. That is there, true. We know he, he can't be number John thirty, Cena and he could. Yeah, he could pull a John Cena and be back in two months, like like John Cena has done like eight times. Now I, I hate because that would be the only way you could probably get Roman back booed uh, his first time back, is if you brought exactly. him back to the surprise royal at Roman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he, but he, um, with him not being a participant, then that's one less certain winner. That <laughs> right. That that because if Roman was in it. Pretty much, we were certain he was going to win, and without him, that kind of opens it up to whoever. Um, so I'm, you're saying I'm, Fandango? Yes, yes, of yes. Or maybe Kurt Hawkins breaks the streak. No, maybe I don't want him. I don't want him to break his unvictorious streak. Yeah, I don't want him to ever win, ever. <laughs> I was going to say, what then? You know, then he's going to have to get a new shirt, right? Exactly. Well, he has to, I mean, technically, he has to get a new shirt every time he does a house show. <laughs> That's true, yes. <laughs> so, no, Joe I, Crow, your final picks are Carmella and Fandango. Uh, yes, there you go. Excellent. <laughs> I, I love surprises. There you go. <laughs> I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> Mike Gordon, why don't you wrap it up and tell us who you think is uh, likely? Uh, I with For the men, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Seth. Uh, it seems like over the last few weeks they've kind of been moving Seth, maybe trying to test the waters uh, to put him in the Roman position. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think I think it works. And uh, I'm a big Seth fan, so I would like to see that. So I'll say Seth for the men, and then uh, for the women. I, look, if I had to put money on it, I'd probably I'm, I'd have to put money on Charlotte just because that's a safe bet. But I, I have I would like to see. Um, and I had this feeling kind of before Charlotte was announced to be in it, uh, I had this feeling that, you know, Ember Moon would be a really great pick. Uh, she could have a really good push and I th- and get out of it, and it would really elevate her to, I think, where she should be. Well, there you go. That's solid. I, I, I'm a big fan of Ember Moon's. I don't know that her main roster uh elevation has gone quite as well as i might have hoped but you're right a rumble win would be very cool and would certainly get a big response from the crowd because the crowd does love her and uh with that we got to wrap this thing up you guys uh noel where can we find you online what are you up to uh well you can find me on dorkdroppings.com very sporadically um uh, I'm not up to much more than um, trying to buy and sell a house and get married in the course of the next four weeks. So uh, my life is uh, all sorts of exploding with anything but doing fun things on the internet. <laughs> Rich, what are you? Rich, uh, go ahead and just list all twelve podcasts that you do weekly. <laughs> well, I'll just say uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nerdy Laser. All the links are in the bio and nerdylaser.wordpress.com. You can find out all the things. I've got a horror podcast, nerdy podcast, and wrestling podcast, so check it out. Joe Crow, what are you up to? Where can we find you? Uh, I'm on the social medias at YoJoCrow, Y-O-JoCrow, and... Um, uh, uh, let's see. I am ring announcing 
a lot lately. I'm doing uh, shows all around Alabama. I'm a ring announcer at little wrestling companies like Victory Championship Wrestling in the very large city of Munford, Alabama. Ooh. It, uh, the, 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 it's, it's so much fun. I am having a, an absolute blast ring announcing and doing backstage interviewing and running from wrestlers when they throw stuff at me. Isn't that the best? Acting like a chicken shit in the face of heel wrestlers is one of the most fun things ever. Yes, yes. I have been, I'm doing it literally in three days. And um, there's a wrestler named uh, (laughs) Jackson Vile. And he, his character, hates me. And it's great. (laughs) It's great. That's awesome. There's no better feeling. Mike Gordon, where can we find you online? Well, you can find me at uh, newlegendmike.com, and that uh, you can see all my books, and, and that says a link to the Air Station One podcast, where you can find me weekly as well. But, of course, you can find me monthly, at least in 2019, here on the Needless Things podcast. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show, talking about wrestling, and uh, let's go ahead and look ahead to Sunday, and let's get ready to not get sued for copyright infringement and say <laughs> wrestling! <laughs> and normally for our wrestling episodes, I really like to use the old WWE uh, it was one of the first WrestleMania theme songs. It's an instrumental version. It was Linda McMahon's music for a while. The do 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 that deal. Uh, but now that the show is on YouTube, which by the way it is on YouTube, it's on Stitcher, it's on iTunes, it's on the Podbean app. I think it's everywhere. I think it's everywhere you can get podcasts. Uh, but now that it's on YouTube, they are conscious of copyright stuff, so I can't use any copyrighted music because it may result in the show getting taken down or, or not posted in the first place. So I can't do it. Can't do it anymore. It kind of made me sad when I was putting the episode together. I was like, oh, man, I really miss that. Uh, something to keep an eye out for on the toy front, in addition to those imagine, imag, amazing Imaginex figures uh, I talked about in the intro, the new series of WWE retro Hasbro figures are hitting. It looks like the last wave or two went straight to discount stores, which really stinks because uh, New Day is in that wave, uh, as well as a couple others that I'd really like to have. But I mean, New Day is must-have for me. And uh, there, I've, I've got to start looking in all the like Ross and apparently Five Below. I know I know Rich uh, found some in Five Below. Uh, so yeah, that's a bummer. But the new wave, which is Sheamus, Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, and Chris Jericho, are uh, in regular stores now. And if you follow me on Instagram, is Phantom Troublemaker. Or actually, I think it's just Phantom Troublemaker. Uh, then, then you can see pictures of that and the Imagine X. And uh, that's all I got this week. We'll be back next week. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.